How are you guys doing tonight? You guys good? All right. Good evening, everyone. Uh, it's not announcement time. I'm not doing announcements right now. We didn't switch up the order. Uh, today, I have the privilege and honor to share the Word of God today. Um, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited to just be up here in the front, um, really just sharing uh, kind of my testimony, but also just what God has been speaking to me this past year. And uh, I really want to just share my heart. I just want to have a heart to heart with you guys. You guys okay with that? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Because uh, I really love KU. This is my second semester here. Uh, I've been in Korea, but this is my fourth year entering into Korea. I've been here a long time now. Um, and yeah, this is my second semester at KU, and I really am enjoying this semester. And I really um, feel like this is my family. Um, and I just want to have like a brother to brother, brother to sister kind of talk. Um, and so yeah, Eunice, uh, three weeks ago, she asked me, Hey, can I can I um, talk to you for later? I was like, okay. Uh, and the first thing that come, came to my mind was like, did I do something wrong? Like, <laughs> shoot, what did I do? And I was thinking, I don't think I did anything wrong, you know. And um, yeah, and when she came up to me, she said, hey, um, November 17th, Tuesday, there's an open large group and there's no preacher. Uh, do you want to preach? And uh my flesh said, no, no, like in my mind, I was like, no, because, you know, this is an important place where this is a privilege to have, you know, and it's preaching, preaching the word of God. And I don't take it lightly. I really don't take it lightly. And so I was like, in my flesh, I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to do it. But I could tell God was tugging my heart and saying, no, this is like me leading you. And honestly, I don't even think Eunice was going to take no for an answer. I think she wa- she was just asking me politely, but she was hinting. David, you should do it. Um, and now I'm here, three weeks later, on November 17th. Um, so yeah, you see, um, I'm not a pastor, like our wonderful Pastor David on. Uh, I just want to make that clear. I don't have a seminary degree, right? I'm not an expert in the Bible. I don't know all the questions. Well, nobody knows all the questions, right? But I don't know all the questions, um, you know, and I'm flawed, right? However, one thing that I can tell you in front of you guys today that, and we all are, are that I'm a son of God. Amen? And um, yeah, like, don't we forget that sometimes? Don't we forget that he's our father and we're his children? In, in the midst of busyness, right? Yeah, like, God has adopted us into his family, right? And, and with that, that comes a multitude of blessings and responsibilities, right? Um, you see, God calls us heirs of God through Christ. And so that, that's why we call ourselves Christians. The word Christ. We call ourselves Christians because we take Christ in our hearts. Right? And honestly, like, if you think about it, this was a revelation. I'm not even preaching it, but, like, our inheritance, it's, God is our Father. Right? Our inheritance is nothing less than the property of our Heavenly Father. It's, it's all ours. And, and we've obtained this new citizen, citizenship through him, meaning that this place, this earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. And I think we forget that sometimes in the midst of everything, our our duties, our responsibilities, our roles, you know, as you guys are students, me working, we all lose that. Um, But tonight, just as a brother, I just really, a brother who's seeking the Lord, who's, who's desiring to love the Lord with all his heart, but also who is flawed, flawed like crazy. Um, (laughs) But through God's amazing and constant sanctification, I'm here to really uh, testify 
what, like even what Sam was sharing, like how he's brought me to the marvelous light. You know, that's a key word. And really the sinful nature that I've been having these past years, like my college years, especially my college years. (laughs) Um, Man, just it's a constant clinging on to God. It's a constant dependence on God. It's never a moment where it's like, I'm good. I think you like you, you always hear this. You never graduate from grace. Like, you know, and there's never a moment you don't, you don't need him, you know. And so like right now, I need him. <laughs> I need him. I need the Holy Spirit to speak. And so let's just bow our heads before and I'll pray. Um, God, we're, God, we seek you tonight. God, we pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to show up. And we pray, Lord, that you position our hearts to receive the very word that you desire to speak to us through my mouth, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would not only allow them to see the flesh, the man in me, but Christ in me, God. And I pray that you would reveal Christ in their hearts and bring about renewal and transformation tonight. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Uh, How are you guys doing this semester? I just wanted to start with a question. How has this semester been going for you guys? Easy, great, good. You know, um, whatever your answer is to that question, have you ever thought like why? Like what do you equate enjoyment with? Think about that. What do you equate enjoyment with? Is it your happiness? Sorry, I sweat a lot, so I might be like uh, wiping. But just, yeah. What do you equate enjoyment with? Your happiness? Uh, Stress levels high or being low? Oh, napkins, thank you. Um, Test results? What? You got, let's, let's be interactive here. Thank you. Snap. It's the lights. Yeah, what else? Interactive. What is it? Example. I've been giving examples, but uh, like, I don't know, like uh, new experiences, new friendships that make this semester good. Uh, something that's challenging. Maybe some people like challenging, right? Or comfort. Who likes it when they're, people look at me like, no, I'm, I never like comfort. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. I mean, all of us have that desire where we want to be comfortable at times, right? And so, man, like what will it take to make your college years worth, whatever, whether, whether it's the four years, the five years, the graduate school years, whatever it is, like what will it take to make it worth it, you know? You know, I'm asking this because most of you are in college or entering college or after college grad school, right? Um, and at least with what I can remember when I was in college, it was supposed to be an exciting time. It was supposed to be a, that stage of life where you're entering into this adulthood in a sense where you're gaining all these responsibilities. You can make your own clear choices and decisions, you know. Um, and yeah, you pretty much reap what you sow, right? Um, but for me, someone who personally did not experience this life, this, this college experience to the fullest, uh, I really want to share my heart for you to, with, with you guys today, but especially God's heart, because I really feel like, man, the youth, the college students especially, that's a prime time where really you can go into so many directions. And I really believe that God wants to encounter the youth in a powerful way. He wants to bring like influence during your college years. It's not just like when you get a job, oh, now I'm in a place of influence. Why do we think that? Why? And so I really want to just bring that kingdom mindset to you guys tonight you guys ready all right um yeah but let me start with a little bit about my college years you know honestly i for me uh i'm from new york i went to school called st john's university um i went as a pharmacy student originally but i changed 
Um, yeah, I know, right? Me. <laughs> I was once kind of smart. No, I'm smart. Um, but uh, in high school, actually, for me, just to share a little bit, I went uh, in New York City. I was a uh, there's a test that you take to get into high school, and I was actually I got into the top sec- two high schools in New York City called Bronx High School of Science. Um, and then once I got into high school, I did not study <laughs> uh, because my parents forced me. Uh, it was forced upon me, and, and honestly, I just rebelled. Um, but yeah, for me, college it was a time where I felt I was just going around in circles. I didn't have I didn't know why I was pursuing what I was pursuing. I changed it to finance. I didn't know why. I was studying finance. Um, I was, I definitely was not walking with the Lord in this true place of like faith and surrender. I wasn't. And, you know, I I wasn't the type to party like crazy. I wasn't. Um, But I was busy working full time and going to school full time. Busy. You can say busy because everybody likes to use the word busy. I'm busy doing this. I'm busy doing that. Right. But I was busy, but I had no vision or purpose of what I wanted to do. Um, for instance, assignments, right? I mean, you guys are filled with assignments every every semester, right? And for me, honestly, it was just a, a mundane part of the curriculum. Okay, I have to do it because I got I got to get the grade, right? Um, but I did not have joy in. I mean, no, I don't know who has joy in doing homework, but I had no joy in pursuit in doing any of these things. And honestly, I didn't properly sacrifice um, and sow into my studies. I didn't. Um, and you see, you see these days, like honestly. College right now, like, it's who doesn't go to college now? Almost everyone gets to go to college unless you live in a, a third world country, right? But even then, their education, it's different, but you get to go to college. And generally, when you go to college, right away, you're thinking, okay, what internship am I going to get? What job am I going to get? Uh, right, right off the bat. And then you think that the dream job that is out there, that's when you are going to be satisfied and content, when you get your dream job. But throughout the entire process of it, I got to sacrifice and I got to, it is sacrifice, but you're not in this place and right kingdom mindset of man, like the process is important, you know? And so man, like seriously, God wants us to have kingdom mindset. And and I kind of want to break that down today. Um, So mindset, a mindset is a fixed mental attitude or disposition that is responsible for our responses to the situations we face. So it's just our response to the situation, to the circumstance, right? And you guys know we are God's representatives on this earth. Meaning that there should be a distinct difference between us, the saints, and the rest of the society. You know, one thing I realized now after university, I graduated, it's been like four or five years now, um, that we hear God is the priority. God should be the priority, right? So many times. But, and that he's everything. He comes first. But man, like, honestly, we hear that during our co- my college years, and I, it just slipped right through me, you know. And man, seriously, like, college is that time where you're preparing, you're growing, and getting ready to go into the workforce, yes. But it's a time where you really need to s- consecrate it to the Lord, to seek intimacy with the Lord. It's a crucial time, and it's the highest precedence. I don't know how many times you've heard that, but it's the highest precedence. It's out of the intimacy with Christ that you begin to overflow. That's when you grow. That's, you, that's when you begin to build character. That's when you, you know, and, and so many times we overlook this, you know. And, you know, how do we seek intimacy with the Lord? You know, obviously, I mean, open up your Bibles. That, that starts there. It starts there, you know. Um, 
But three things, you know, it's, I always heard this, and it was live prayerfully, walk carefully, and to seek his kingdom first. And, and when we do this, if you faithfully do this, like God will entrust you, you know, into like so much more, you know, so much more that you, can, you can't even do by yourselves. Like it's a true dependence on God, you know. And yeah, like I just want to go over that. Like living prayerfully, Ephesians 6, 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Why do we always stress prayer here? We're always like 615 prayer, come out to Friday Friar, come out to JPM, come out to Sunday Swim, all these prayer things. Why do we always stress prayer? Because it's God's heart. It's God's heart and we get to know it. Like worship, man, it's a privilege. It's an honor. Like we're not here to look at our beautiful Pastor David's on face and just look at him and just like see him perform. It's not him performing. He's just leading us to God's heart. Do you, like, we don't see him literally, but his presence, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He's here. We don't need to look at others. We just need to just draw closer to him, you know? And we forget that, you know? Um, but yeah, we need, we need to come into agreement with God's heart, to God's voice. That's when we start understanding that, man, like, I need to rely on him. I need to depend on him, you know? Two, walking carefully. Ephesians 5.15 says... Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. College is definitely a time where you get tested. Do you agree? You get tested like crazy, you know. It's, it could be the first time you live outside of your parents' homes. You live by yourself. Maybe you dorm, you know. And you have to understand that you're making these choices now. So you have to learn how to balance schoolwork, balance having fun, balance doing all these other extracurricular activities. All these things, you have to learn how to balance it falling into peer pressure, all these things, right? You become, you, in a sense, you grow up. So wisdom is important. And three, seeking his kingdom first. You know, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know, we need to be concerned with doing the Lord's work first and then our needs will be met. It's not the other way around. You know, and so really God gives each person, each of you, his own our own kingdoms in a sense or spheres of influence and your sphere of influence is where god wants to establish his intent all we need to do is ask him to show us how to use our gifts our talents and our life to further his plan you know you see emmaus what is the goal of emmaus you guys know what the goal of emmaus the vision of emmaus is do you guys know no yes only, only, only staff knows. <laughs> you know, it's not just another place for you to have a service other than Sunday. Like, oh, another service. It's not. I, I mean, you may look, it is another service, right? But it's not for the mere purpose of just coming out to on, the, on another Sunday. It's not. Um, it's to create a lifestyle of Maranatha. We just came back from a Maranatha retreat, right? For those who went, you know, what is that? It's constantly it's like this intimacy and relationship with god we're trying to pour out to you to make you understand that man this is important this is important this is the basic this is the foundation of your relationship with god you know you know and man like i said like there's so many directions that we want that you can go in college we just want to propel you into god's promises and callings on your life that's what it is 
You know, the belief statements of Emmaus, it's we were made for more. We, you know, we have that shirt, we were made for more. Do you believe that you were made for more? Do you believe that this generation is yearning for a life-changing power of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that this revelation, it sets hearts on fire? And do you believe that this burning generation will transform the nations? How do we transform nations? You know, we're here to equip and empower you so that you can be the change. You know, you will change the world more than you know. We just want to say you will change the world more than you know. And because of that, because your life, your devotion to Christ, your devotion to prayer, to godliness, it will impact so many others and it will bring Christ in their lives. And that's our hope. And that's our prayer, you know. Yeah, and man, you guys all have free will, right? You all have free will. You came not because we forced you to come. You came because you chose to come. Let's make that clear. You chose to come. <laughs> I mean, no one here forced you. I, I didn't force you, Max, to come, right? Um, but sovereignty, God's sovereignty and free will, if you put it together like man, and we clearly choose, because God has a plan for us, amen? amen. But... It doesn't mean that, okay, God has a plan. His grace is sufficient. I could do whatever I want. Like, we need to play our parts as well. We need to be faithful. We need to trust Him, you know. And we all need people to speak into our hearts. And that's what amazes. That's what we do here. We speak into your hearts. We, we, like, we're not here performing. We desire, as we minister, as the crew ministers, like, we're receiving. We're getting revelation. It's like both edifying each other, you know. Um, to like, you also have to understand that, man, Jesus calls us in our weakness. Let's all turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. You know, we're all flawed people. You can agree to that. No one here is perfect. Um, but yeah, in this chapter, uh, let's just read it together. How about that? Um, I'll, I'll read one verse and you guys read the second verse, okay? On, uh, I'll be reading from the ESV, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Okay. On one occasion, while the crowd was uh, pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. I'm sorry. I've read your part. Okay, go. Verse 2. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But as your word, at your word, I will let down the nets. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled, with the boat, filled both the boats so that they began to sink. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken.
And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, let me just, we just read this, but let me give you a little bit of background. Like Peter knew Jesus was extraordinary before Jesus filled Peter's fishing nets. Okay. Um, he's already wrestling with the fact that, man, like this calling that Jesus has put on his life. He's already grappling with that. And man, just imagine how Peter feels. He must feel very, like he's unqualified next to Jesus because he has no theological training, formal. Like for me, I don't have no formal theological training, you know. Um, but one thing that Peter knew was how to fish. And so he thought, right? And so in this chapter, you can see, man, like why does Jesus call Peter at the time that he calls Peter? Now, Peter must have been exhausted. He's been working all night. Think about it. I don't know if any of you went have worked on a boat or fishing. I haven't. But I've actually met someone two weeks ago um, who actually went to Alaska and lived on a boat for a month. And he went like, he was like uh, salmon hunting, right? And um, man, just think about living on a little tiny area, your bed and you're rocking on the boat. And it's a lot. It's a lot of burden, okay? Um, but Peter must have been exhausted, okay? Now, why was this the best time that Jesus, when Jesus called him? What do you think? Because Peter needed his pride, his unbelief, and his weakness to be exposed. Let me explain that. His pride, his ability as a fisherman, okay? His unbelief, that after all the toil, like Jesus said, just put down your net, right? And so I'm sure he's unreluctantly like, okay, like we've done all we can. All right, let me, let me just do it, right? I'm sure there was a little bit of faith, but he just put down his net, you know? Um, and his weakness being exposed, you know? He needed to see himself as someone who apart from Jesus can do nothing. You know, John 15, 15 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, he needed to know who rules the fish, who fills the nets, that he would be able to fish. Then he would, then he would, he would be able to fish in faith, right? You know, I think, man, in this chapter alone, like, it can really resemble in you guys' life, in my life. Are we people of faith? Are we, are you guys students as, as you are studying, are you studying in faith? You know, am I, are we, as, as workers, are we working in faith? Like faith, it, may, it sounds like faith, like, oh, okay, like what's supernatural? But it's supernatural. The fact that we believe that Jesus resurrected, that's supernatural. Yeah. That he resurrected us. That's supernatural. You know, how many of you have went through disappointments in your life? Everyone, right? All of us have went through disappointments in our life. You know, I think sometimes due to our um, circumstances, like, we don't believe God wants to use us. You know, we think that we have to, I don't know, be this model student, get perfect scores, be the model worker. Um, I don't know, whatever dreams, like work at Google only and or wherever, uh, Goldman Sachs, right? Um, we feel like that in itself, that's where I need to be, right? And that's when God can only use me. You know, the world says it's, it's not enough that we need to try harder and harder and strive for success. And that's worldly success, you know. But you see, hear me speaking in front of you guys tonight. That's honestly a testament because 
Man, if you guys knew me in my college years, I was totally a different person. And I mean, I'm not going to go deep into that, but people always thought I was angry. I don't know if I have an angry face. I'm from New York, so we always have this like mug, like you got to look cool look. And so, you know, like I can't do it anymore. I've, oh, man, I can't do it anymore. Oh, God is good. Um, but seriously, like, man, people, all my friends, when they see me now, they think like, man, like, you're so happy. I'm like, what? Like, you look so happy and you're always happy. I'm like, well, that's not true, first of all. I'm not always happy, but I think they're talking about delight. Like, you know, like, I just look like I have this different countenance, you know, like this different presence. And they sense it. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, I love God. I love the Lord, you know, to my unbelieving friends. And they're, they're always asking me, like, how do I, how do I, how can I do this like you? And I say, you don't have to do anything. You just have to believe that God's, you know, died for your sins and to trust in him and have your faith in him, you know. But, I mean, they don't get that right away, you know, so I don't tell it directly like that, you know. But, seriously, I was a totally different person, you know. And, man, like, honestly, I grew up with parents, like I said, that forced me to study, and I did not want to study, you know. Um, every time I'd fail an exam or do something wrong, they would label me as a failure. They'd be like, man, it wouldn't be like I'm disappointed in you. It'd be like, you're, my dad would come up to me and straight up say, you're a failure. I gave up on you. I already gave up on you. Do what you want to do. And then he would come back two weeks later. Like, I'm, I love you. But, but it, was, it, was, it hurt me. It really hurt me that he would, my own dad would call me a failure and that he gave up on me, you know. It's devastating to hear that. Um, but do you think that, man, God doesn't want to reveal himself to you? Because he does. He doesn't want to hide himself from you. I mean, if we would seek him, if we would turn from this world, he would reveal himself. You know, like Moses, like when he went to the mountains to seek God, like it was obvious then, like he, God revealed himself through a burning bush. I mean, if you saw a burning bush and he started speaking to you, like... Man, that's like, oh, shoot, that's God, and that's holiness and fear and awe, you know? Um, not many times do we encounter that these days, right? But God still speaks to us. He's tugging on our hearts every day, every day, even here, you know? Even at this moment, He tugs at your heart, you know? And I, I feel like we, as, as a people, we need to learn how to, throughout this busyness of our schedules, we need to learn how to go away like Jesus did. Because, man, he created a space in a place to kind of draw away from the moment, right? He always would go up to mountains and pray by himself. He wouldn't take his disciples. He'd go up to the mountains to pray. And when he would come down, all these people that are just waiting for him, kind of like, I guess you could call them stalkers, I don't know. They're just waiting for Jesus to come down and then, and Jesus has compassion on them. But how do you think Jesus had compassion on them? Like, he was a man, right? But it was because he, he spent time with the Lord. He went to his father, you know, and I think just like that, we, man, Jesus is the perfect example of a man of prayer. He, he prayed almost before everything. He prayed for eating before, before temptation came, before when he was weary, when he was tired, you know, um, during his last moments of his life, even, you know, he was a man of prayer. And so, man, the next thing I, I kind of want to share is, man, God, like, I think as we go through life, as we go through college, especially, like, we're all trying to figure out our call and our willing, like, God's purpose for my life, right? What's your will, Lord? You know? And I just want to say, God has a purpose for each and every one of you. 
specifically, and your life is an assignment. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. You see, Jesus knew his divine purpose. You know, he came to seek and save what was lost. He came to reach out to us so that we can have life and life to the fullest. You know, what does that mean, life to the fullest? It doesn't mean surviving. It doesn't mean procrastinating on midterms. I don't know who. I, I'm a big procrastinator. I'm not, I'm not judging you guys. I'm a big procrastinator. But I think, don't you think that life, sometimes we feel like we're just getting by? We're just surviving? That's not what God has in mind for us. It's not a life of us just really getting by. You know? And, man, like... He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have all these things as we are pursuing Him, as we are being faithful in university, in, in school, at work. You know? And it's a preparing ground. It's not a place where you're like, everything is results-oriented, and like you get a test score, and that is who you are. You got a 55, so you're a 55. <laughs> That's not what it's college is for. I think many times we forget that. We're like, I got to get this 100, and... I don't know how about you guys. For me, I, I study for a test. The next day, I'm done with the test and I forget everything that I learned, I, I was studying for. I'm like, what's the purpose then? <laughs> Just to get the score? Let me, let me take a tissue break. I'm sweating. <laughs> Woo, it's hot. God made me this way. I love it. <laughs> you know, John chapter 6, verse 26 to 27 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. You see, the kingdom mindset, it's not a consumer mindset. It's not something that what you can just take away. I think we all think, when we pursue things, it's just for the purpose of self. But, Obviously, as you can see, like everything in this world, it fades. Material possessions, money, working out. (laughs) You can tell, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It fades. You know, I just bought an iPhone, uh, what is this? 6 Plus S. 6S Plus, not the rose gold. Uh, Right? And man, I was like looking so, I was looking forward to this, right? And I got it like a week ago, and I was fascinated by the design. It's beautiful. And literally, like three, four hours later, I'm like, yeah. And then I, I've been dropping it like everywhere. Like, I don't know. Like, it's beautiful. It's nice. It's helpful. It's efficient. But, man, this is, like, people are just, like, pretty much you're seeking, like, university to get all this money or whatever success, fame, if that is what you're pursuing. And it all fades. This fades. This iPhone, in two years, people will get the iPhone 7. And it just keeps on coming. Right? Everything in this world, it fades. You know? And man, like if I were to, if I were to come down, if I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound blasphemous and say like if I was God and it came down and it said my purpose for you in college is, but if I were to do that, right, <laughs> I would say, man, my heart for you guys as college students, it's, it's, it's a place where you can discover what you're interested in, yes, right, uh, through different subjects, through different teaching methods, um, even team projects. Uh, Uh, It's getting to you, right? You got to learn how to be selfless. (laughs) Um, You know, be involved in extracurricular activities that you enjoy, promoting certain causes, using the school's platform 
for you to enhance and even showcase your talent. Because, man, college is a blessing, honestly. Like, you don't have, you can risk all of this, and you won't pretty much bear all those results. Like, you can risk so many things. But when you're actually working, you're not, I mean, you can risk at a certain level, but the assessment of that risk is different, you know. It's, um, and so, yeah, that would, be, that would be my heart. And to pursue dreams, big, to have big dreams. Not just selfish dreams, but God kingdom-sized dreams. Kingdom, what does that mean? Kingdom-sized dreams, kingdom mindset, you know. John chapter 17, it talks about, man, like God has overcome the world. And as believers, as God's sons, that we need to understand that victory is already in God's hand, but we just need to carry this fragrance, this aroma of Christ. But it doesn't come from drive, success, education, for me, entrepreneurship, that's something that I like. Um, creative solutions, all this. That's all great, but it's not the absolute thing. God, he's the ultimate creator, innovator. We need to look to him, you know, not to His just his creation. I think we get influenced and we get inspired by all that, and that's great. But, man, what, like, think about it. Like, he, God is the one who brought all of this to creation. Like, we need to be in awe of him. You know, and so that's where I would say college is a time where, you know, you're kind of led and even pressured to discover your calling. Right. And to I think many people think calling is like a job. I don't know. It's like my calling is a job. Uh, you know, and like what path I go, whatever reputation it comes with it, the stature, the success, the money, the benefits, all about what I can receive, you know. But not often do people. Think about what they can offer and what they can bring and what change that they can bring. You know, man, like t- I've been working at my I work at a um, school right now. Uh, we are setting up like a publishing and media company for children content. Right. And I've been managing this past few months. And man, so many people I'm, I'm not saying names, but so many people at my workplace, they have this like entitlement and this like complaining attitude about everything it's not about how they want to bring change and and bring solutions but they're always like this is wrong and this is messed up and this and i mean no workplace first of all no nothing every place is flawed there's like even google has its flaws right and so like they're all they're doing is complaining and i'm just sitting back i'm like man like all you do is complain but you're not offering and bringing up a creative solution to what you're saying you're just complaining complaining you know you know but like i said like man god wants to pour out vision and he wants to pour out a passion in you especially during this time you know and so man someone who one second someone who had all that wisdom right someone who had in the bible is king solomon right ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 9 11 I'm going to read that for you guys. 9 through 11 says, So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, it did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and the striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Man, like, there was nobody like King Solomon. He, you guys know, he wrote the book of Proverbs. You know, he was, he, there was no better man qualified to talk about life because he, he had everything. He had everything. He had money, he had wisdom, 
He had fame, wealth, women, you name it. Like he had everything he wanted. He, he tested out everything in life, both with God and without God. And his conclusion was that everything under the sun, it's futile. That it's meaningless and purposeless and empty without God. Man, a man of his stature, of his... Like, think about it. He was supposed to be... He's the wisest person alive ever in this world. He had everything, right? Man, and his encouragement in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's to remember the Lord while you're young, to fear Him, to obey Him, and to respect Him. And that's the true purpose and meaning in life, he says. And that's the source of fulfillment. It's not the things that you're pursuing of this world that brings joy and contentment, but it's God. You know, it's not... Like wisdom that you just seek purely for knowledge, you know, for yourself. I'm not, I'm not seeking wisdom just for myself so I could say and boast, oh, I'm the smartest guy in this room, you know. What is that wisdom for? What are you trying to do with the platform? If you're, if you're a songwriter, if you're, you're pursuing dance, if you're doing photography, like what in that sense can you bring to the table where, man, you could bring this kingdom mindset? It's not just like, I want to be a photographer you for you, Lord, and... All you do is, I mean, yeah, you have to take pictures and stuff. And, but how can you really bring about change through this platform that God has given you? God is creative. He's the creative outsource. He's the creative input. And he's given to us. We are, we are made in his image. You guys are all made in his image. So we are therefore sub-creators, you know? <clears throat> yeah, and man, quality of life, it's important, right? I mean, I don't think any of us, will, we want to say at the end of our life, we want to say, look back and say, I wish I was more busy. I don't think anything anybody here wants to say, I wish I was more busy. Like, man, like during my college times, man, I wish I was more busy just studying all the time or, or busy, like not making relationships, not networking, not enjoying my time. I don't, I don't think anybody would say that. I, what would they say? I think they would probably say that they wish they could slow down a little bit more, that they could create more memories, right? And... Man, like, college is that time. College is a time where you get to really live out and really build an intimacy with the Lord. And I think that's really my message to you tonight. It's, man, like, this is a time. This is, Emmaus, everything that you're doing, it's not for you to just hold and, and contain it for yourselves. God creates you to be a blessing, right? And so... Yeah, let's look at one more chapter. Uh, John, everyone turn to John chapter 21. So the last chapter of John. Here you see pretty much after the resurrection, right? Uh, Jesus dies. He, he dies on the cross. And he reveals himself to the seven disciples now. Now, here, if you look at it, you see, I want to focus on Peter because verse, I would, let's start with verse, um, I'll read starting from verse four. Okay. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it, haul it in because the quantity of the fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself 
into the sea. I'm going to stop there. Peter, so they've already seen Jesus after the resurrection, at least once. I think this is the third time he's revealing himself to them, right? And man, like Peter, this man who walked on the water when Jesus called him, right? In the, in the very beginning, Jesus calls him out and there's a storm and Peter walks on water, right? Here, Jesus, he sees that. John says, oh, I see Jesus. And it's Jesus. But Peter, he throws himself out of the boat. Just think about that. You're like a hundred yards away from shore. And this man, he just, he's so, like, you have to see the context before it because he denied Jesus three times, right? He denied who Jesus was. And this man, I'm sure he's filled with shame and guilt because of that. But the fact that once he heard that it was Jesus, he just throws himself out of the boat and he starts, and the rest of them, they have the fish, so they're just coming with the boat, with the fish. But, Peter, he decides to throw himself. I don't know how many of you would just throw yourself out of the boat. I'd probably be like, oh, okay, I see Jesus. Let's just, uh, Jesus said to pull down the fish. And so I'm just going to carry all the fish that he told me to catch, take the boat back. I don't want to get wet. And <laughs> then I'll see Jesus and I'll be happy, you know. But he, like one thing I want to take notice of that is, man, like his past didn't hold him back. Like shame, it didn't hold him back. You know, I'm sure he was filled with shame when he denied Jesus, right? I mean, he, but it's funny because here, if you look at that chapter, John chapter 21, like Simon Peter says to him, verse 3, I'm going to go fishing, right? It seems like he's going back to the very thing that Jesus called him out of. He was a fisherman, right? But when, cha- when he changes his name too, and he call, he gives him a new calling, he says, I want you to be a fisher of men. But he goes back fishing, Right? So sometimes shame, what it does is it brings you back into your old ways and into your old lives. You know? But man, sometimes we just have to have faith like Peter to throw yourself out of the boat to lunge after him, to lunge after Jesus, even after you've denied him at times. You know? And man, I, that is something that's pressing on my heart that we need to learn from Peter. I mean, it's boldness. It's sometimes it could be considered foolishness, but it's boldness. It was heart, his heart for Jesus. He, he just, I still can't think of it. Like if you imagine somebody throwing himself off the boat, you know. Can you guys just close your eyes for one second? Close your eyes right now. Can I have the worship team come up?